The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Action-packed show coming your way for the next four hours. Brian Kilmeade will be here, and we'll go live to Atlantic City to check in with Roger Gross, talk about casinos that might be coming to New York and what that might mean for other area casinos. But I do have to tell you, those of you that are Moranoholics, meaning you enjoy listening to me on the radio from time to time, maybe more than time to time, today is your lucky day because today I am actually going to be on the air, not just from 1 to 5, but from 6 to 7 a.m., co-hosting the first hour of the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show. It's all part of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Radiothon. We have partnered with Tunnel to Towers for our annual Radiothon. It kicks off with Sid Rosenberg and me at 6 a.m and it's going until noon. You can help us raise some money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Season of Hope. All the money raised is going to bring hope to America's military and first responder heroes and their families this season. You don't have to wait until 6 a.m., though. Right now, you can donate $11 a month or more at t2t.othersideofmidnightshow.com. That's t2t.othersideofmidnightshow.com. I was at lunch with both Brian Kilmeade and Sid Rosenberg yesterday. What a lunch that was. <laughs> I'm going to share some stories of that lunch a little bit later on, and I'm sure both Brian and Sid are going to be busting my chops a little bit over that lunch. But I'll give you my perspective a little bit later on. Speaking of all things Sid, one of the things I got in trouble for was calling him a little bit of a narcissist. Well, if Sid is a narcissist, this is not going to tone down his ego at all. If you sign up to join the WABC Radio VIP Club by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP Club, you have an opportunity to win a terrific WABC Celebrating 100 Years poster signed by who? You guessed it, Sid Rosenberg. So you can do it through the app. Just download the 77 WABC app or just go online to, from a computer or anywhere to wabcradio.com slash VIP club. If you sign up, you'll receive all sorts of special offers, special members only newsletter, all sorts of neat things. I'm a member. Maybe I'll see you at some of our VIP club meetings. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WABC. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WA. I'm Frank Morano. While we may broadcast from New York, our transmitter is in New Jersey, and we actually have a huge audience in New Jersey. I like New Jersey. We're going to be doing our AC report at 3.30. I go on vacation to Cape May every year, and almost everybody that I grew up with in my hometown ended up moving out to New Jersey. So I have a lot of friends and family members that live in New Jersey. You know what the state bird of New Jersey is? The Eastern Goldfinch. There's a state color of New Jersey. It's buff and Jersey blue. There's a state dance. It's the square dance. There's a state dog. There's a state fish, a state flower, a state fruit, a state insect, a state mammal, and a state reptile. There is no official state juice. 
Can you believe there is no official state juice in New Jersey? I didn't know that either. And there may soon be a way to show your state pride the next time you sit down to breakfast or enjoy a non-alcoholic drink in New Jersey. And it would be thanks to the keen eyes of the fourth grade classes of Cinnamonson Township Schools in Burlington, who noticed that New Jersey does not have an official state juice, and they offered up their candidate, cranberry juice. So now there's a bill that is making its way through the legislature that would crown Cranberry as the king of juices. Let me say, nothing against these fourth graders, and I appreciate the fact that they went to the trouble of doing all this research and are doing sort of their own lobbying campaign. I think that's wonderful. But there is no recognition for the tomato, or some would call it the tomato. The tomato, as both a fruit and a vegetable, has had such a strong historical association with the Garden State, and the Jersey tomato does have such a unique taste that derives from from the characteristics of the soil on the Atlantic coast. The official fruit is the blueberry. They do say the official state vegetable is the Jersey tomato, but technically, scientifically, a tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. I think it has been mislabeled. We make such a big deal of people being misgendered these days. Why should a fruit be mislabeled as a vegetable? I think the way to rectify that is to make tomato juice the official juice of the state of New Jersey. I will be reaching out to my friends in the New Jersey state legislature, and I know many very good friends with State Assemblyman Robert Auth, who listens to this show, State Assemblyman Don Guardian, a regular guest on this show, State Senator Vincent Palestina, State Senator Dick Cody, State Senator John Bramnick, a lot of folks in the New Jersey State Legislature I have a relationship with, and I'm going to be reaching out to urge them to pick tomato juice as the official juice of the state of New Jersey, not cranberry juice. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I am a great student of local politics, and one of the things that I've taken note of frequently in these commentaries is how many seats the Republicans picked up in New York City this year, including in deeply blue areas like Brooklyn. Of course, they're trying to steal one of those seats from the Republicans by trying to prevent Lester Chang from being seated in Brooklyn. But there's another race in Queens, and that is the race where the incumbent Stacey Pfeffer Amato is being challenged by Republican Tom Sullivan. As of now, Amato leads Sullivan by just one single vote. Well, the lead may get a little wider than that because there are 94 ballots, absentee ballots, that the Board of Elections has disqualified, but now a state appellate court has said may count after all. So these ballots have been invalidated, and now the courts have said that these voters have to be given an opportunity to cure those ballots. This is a new rule. This is something passed by the state legislature in the last couple of years. But the uh, court ruled that each of these 94 absentee ballots was received by the Board of Elections with an unsealed ballot affirmation envelope inside a completely 
sealed outer mailing envelope. Therefore, the defects were curable under election law. And again, that's brand new. And now the point is, I vote in person. I like to vote early and in person. If I make a mistake in terms of who I vote for in person, or if I forget to bubble in the proper oval or something along those lines, or I vote for two candidates for the same office or anything like that, that vote is cast. That vote is cast and my mistake is counted. I don't get a do-over. I don't get a cure. If you vote by absentee in this state, you're free to make a mistake and have an opportunity to cure your ballot. We have now, because of the state legislature, this is not the court's fault, this is not the candidate's fault in this particular race, because of the state legislature and this ballot curing provision, we now have a two-tiered system of voting in this state. If you vote by absentee, you have two opportunities to vote properly. If you vote in person like I tend to, you only have one. How is that fair? So it looks like unless a lot of these uh, ballots which were initially ruled invalid break towards Sullivan, it looks like uh, this is going to fall into the close but no cigar category for Sullivan and it looks like Assemblymember Amato will be reelected between somewhere between 1 and 95 votes. Who knows? There's always the chance that they could break Sullivan's way. We'll see what happens. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Well, it looks like there might be some problems in trying to close Rikers Island in the timeline established by Mayor de Blasio and his cohorts. Who could have predicted this? Who could have imagined? Oh, yes, that's right. Everybody! You see, the hallmark of the plan to close and replace the inmates at Rikers and move them into four newly constructed borough-based jails by 2027 relies on having a lower inmate population. The jailed population, which was at 5,940 last month, is growing. Keep in mind, we have a mayor that actually wants to arrest people now, and an internal correction department forecast indicates that the population, the inmate population, will be higher than 7,000 in less than two years. Now, that's not a Frank Morano number. That's not a number from the Manhattan Institute or some conservative think tank. That is the number from the Department of Corrections Commissioner, Louis Molina. The problem is this. In order for Rikers to close and pretrial detainees to be moved to four smaller jails in the outer boroughs, as the law that was passed three years ago requires, there can't be more than 3,300 people incarcerated. So Commissioner Molina testified before the city council in 2027, we will not be at 3,300. Now, what are we going to do? So Molina said, I think if Rikers has to close, what we have to think about is where does the balance of that population go if we are not at 3,300 by 2027. This is precisely what those of us who opposed closing Rikers warned about. Now, I'm not for keeping Rikers open because I think it's so well run. I want to fix Rikers, both fix the infrastructure of the buildings there themselves and fix the management problems that are at stake at Rikers. I want to stop the inmates from getting drugs. I want to stop inmate on inmate violence. I want to stop correction officers from being attacked. 
those problems are not going to be fixed by moving and multiplying those problems to residential areas in the outer boroughs. This was an ill-conceived plan from the beginning. Kudos to Mayor Adams for saying so. Kudos to Commissioner Molina for saying so. And state and city leaders need to act pronto to put the brakes on this because the only alternative is they have to find a way to let 3,700 people that should be incarcerated as they're awaiting their uh, trial date and let them out on the street. That makes no sense and is not going to be the best thing for public safety in this city. Beam me up. To be continued.